0: Welcome back to the channel. This is Plenary Session, a podcast at the intersection of medicine, oncology, and health policy. You're watching the video feed, and some of you are listening to the audio feed. If you're on the audio feed this time, I've got slides you're going to want to hop over. And what we're talking about today is the ENACT trial. A lot of people have asked for my opinion about the ENACT trial. I think they know what they're going to get. And this is, of course, a new study out now in Jam Oncology. Active surveillance plus enzalutamide monotherapy versus active surveillance alone in patients with low-risk or intermediate-risk localized prostate cancer. The ENACT study, a phase 2 study of enzalutamide. That's right, the extremely costly, something-in-the-ballpark of $130,000 to $180,000-a-year medication, enzalutamide, the androgen receptor antagonist in localized prostate cancer where your control arm is a healthy dose of active surveillance, because that's what you'd otherwise do in this setting. And this is quite the study, quite the study. The first thing I always say when I read these studies is this, and I'm going to keep saying it. Somebody said, you know, you've laid off it recently. I was like, well, let me get right back on it. Uh, We want to thank the patients and investigators who participated. That's sweet. That's nice. I can get behind that. And then Medical writing assistance was provided by blah blah blah, and editorial support was provided by blah 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 from blah blah blah, which is funded by the study sponsors. Medical writers, medical writers. Do you, um, what would you say if kids in middle school and high school got medical writers to do their homework for them? Would that be acceptable? what would we say if an economics professor came up for tenure and all the papers were written by a medical writer? They just paid someone to draft the paper. Of course, they were the ones who thought of the idea, but the medical writer did the drafting. I think we would agree that if you are doing scholarship and using it to seek promotion, you cannot, should not, must not rely upon medical writers. Medical writers are not consistent with the values and principles of the academy, they should be banned. Or it should be called commercial use only, so no one can get promoted off work like this. I can accept that. Can they? I think this is really bad. We should have some dignity and we should get away from the medical writers. Okay getting into the paper, randomized control trial, 227 people, which is pretty close to what their power calculation said. And they're getting randomized to one year of enzalutamide, that androgen receptor antagonist or active surveillance, which is what you would otherwise do for people like this who are lower intermediate risk, prostate cancer. And um, they got followed for more than a year. They got treated for a year. They got followed for more than that. There is some rate of discontinuation while taking the study drug. Um, that uh, speaks to the fact that it's not as tolerable as people would like. It has real downsides. It has some toxicity, and uh, it's very costly. I, I'm going to use for my calculations $168,000 per annum. You can use whatever you want. It's all going. All the roads are going to lead to the same place. The primary endpoint of this study is the time to pathologic or therapeutic prostate cancer progression. Okay, pathologic or therapeutic progression. What is pathologic progression? That's an increase in primary or secondary Gleason pattern by one or more in a higher proportion of cancer-positive cores, or higher proportion of cancer-positive cores. So increasing the Gleason or a higher fraction of cores that are cancer-positive, where it's a 15% increase to count as an increase in positive cores. This has been basically pulled out of someone's ass, because this is not really a thing it's a thing they're using here some increase in the pathologic burden of disease what do we what do we what will this mean going forward for someone well we have no clue but um, if if this drug is unable to even affect this it's really bodes poorly for a very active anti-cancer drug therapeutic progression makes a little bit more sense to me that's the earliest occurrence of the primary therapy for prostate cancer prostatectomy radiation focal therapy or any systemic therapy Um, what you would, um, and, and and that's, I guess, you know, that's, that's the next thing that might happen to somebody on active surveillance. So in other words, by a hundred percent of people taking a active anti-cancer therapy, hopefully we're going to able to avert some people getting an active anti-cancer therapy. If everyone does it, hopefully some of you can skip it. It's not really It doesn't really make a lot of logical sense. Um, unless you think enzalutamide is like taking Skittles and prostatectomy is, uh, the worst thing in the world. Um, enzalutamide is of course not without risk. And this trade-off of course, prima facie don't make a lot of sense. Time to pathologic or therapeutic prostate cancer response. The observed reduction is pretty much exactly what the power calculation set out to find which i found really rather impressive how were they so how were they so accurate actually how were they so accurate here are the kaplan-meyer curve you can see that first year they're on the drug and then afterwards there is some separation of the curves the number of people who progress with prostate cancer progression which is either this um made up pathologic progression or therapeutic progression it's 28 versus 37%. Hazard ratio 0. 0.54. You can fit the laser point in between the curves. You can give the plenary session at the national meeting. And this is the primary endpoint of the study. And, you know, they're going to be proud of this. P value 0.02. I hear that's good. I hear that's good. Okay. PSA progression. Oh, enzalutamide, you were out in an early lead, but then something happened right after the 12-month mark when you stopped the active drug, which is you had PSA. Boom! Everyone has PSA progression right after that, and the curves actually cross because you've taken the brakes off the cart, and now it's hurtling downhill. Um, You know, they call this rebound PSA, but this is actually, you know, quite noteworthy. It does suggest that as they design any future study, I mean, if you were crazy enough, it crazy enough to design a future study in this space, which I think the makers of the product might be crazy enough because they smell a lot of cash because this is a huge market share and they will make tons of cash if they can get an approval here, even if it don't make a lick of sense at all they'll be able to persuade some doctors but one of the challenges they're going to face is with the moment they stop their drug, you know, you're going to get fluorid PSA progression as you see here And so they might come to the conclusion we're just going to keep giving our drug forever, which would make the value proposition even more silly and the trade-off of taking a drug forever the rest of your life to avoid someday progressing in a fraction of people less palatable. I mean, that would make it a lot less palatable. But you can see the moment the Enzo's off, boom, PSA. Comes right back with a vengeance. These are the prices I'm going to use. I just Googled this on the internet. You could pick your prices, but this is the price I'm going to use going forward. So you know, the first thing I come to the conclusion is, let's just say we take it at face value, this pathologic progression that they have literally invented, some foolish endpoint that has to do with the Gleason scores and the number of positive scores, which has not been validated as something that predicts living longer, living better. But let's just say this foolish endpoint is something you really, really care about. You've got to treat 11 people for one year with this drug to avert one event of this foolish endpoint composite endpoint and that puts you at a ballpark cost of 1.8 million dollars if you only give 1.8 million dollars you can prevent someone's gleason score from going a little bit higher and you can prevent some cores from being positive or having a few people have therapeutic progression that is a very unpalatable dollar amount Recently, my colleagues Timothy Olivier, Idine um, Musaka, and myself we published a paper in *JAMA Network Open* on the cost to avert a disease-free survival event. This is in the adjuvant setting, and we found that like 1.6 million was um, was about the value there. But there, the endpoint we're talking about is cancer recurrence. For like now, it's going to be a metastatic incurable cancer. Here, we're talking about therapeutic progression and pathologic progression, which is an absolutely dubious endpoint of unclear significance. And you know, something that you arguably could keep watching. You could just keep watching. There's nothing to get too excited about, depending on how much it changed. There's not really terrific guidelines around active surveillance. There's not like 25 randomized trials of active surveillance strategies. You could arguably just keep watching that. You don't know. You need to act upon it this is in the supplement and this is the percent of people who are actually deferring treatment so the time until next treatment so remember if you're on that blue line by treating everybody right now we're going to prevent four some percent of you to get treatment down the road. three th- i think 3.9 percent of you to get treatment down the road and if you're on the red arm most of you are not going to need treatment with 36 months of follow-up so but if you're on the blue arm by virtue of everyone getting treatment a few of you won't need more treatment Or you could be on the red arm where most of you are not getting any treatment for many many years either way you want, either way you want so stupid it's just so stupid such a stupid premise um the number needed to treat here if you just looked at therapeutic progression is 27 which puts us in at 4.4 million dollars of uh enzalutamide to avoid one therapeutic progression whatever that may be whatever that may be this is pretty much the dumbest calculation I've ever seen. There's no health system on earth that would be so stupid as to ever make this make this calculation. You'd bankrupt your society, you'd overdrug your population, and you would barely be avoiding these events in the future. Pretty much the worst thing you could ever, I mean, pretty much the stupidest healthcare strategy you could ever imagine. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about this. Everyone knows the problems, which is if you go to a precancerous space, a space where you arguably are just gonna watch someone and the vast majority of people are not gonna require any treatment for years to come. That's not the space you get to even, you shouldn't even try your $160,000 a year cancer medicine. Unless you are really just totally trying to fatten up the coffers of Pfizer. Look, Pfizer, they got Baxlovid. They got the vaccine. They don't need any more cash, okay? AstraZeneca and Pfizer, they don't need any more cash. This trial does not need to happen. It doesn't even make sense that it would happen. I wouldn't even enroll it. The point I want to make is they knew it all at the outset. What do I mean by that? I told you, look at their power calculation. Look at the actual observed hazard ratio and the actual number of events. It's pretty much spot on i mean their their hazard ratio is off by by two tenths of two two one hundredths of uh or sorry yeah 0. 0.02 it's off by two one hundredths of a fraction because it is a unit less ratio but anyway it's off by two one hundredths they're so close they have gotten what they set out to get you see what that means but that actually makes it worse you see why because they knew that this is the bullshit they were going to be showing at the end of the study. They knew that. They got what they wanted to get, and this is $1.8 million an event. They knew it. If you can do the power calc prima facie, you can do the dollar per event calc prima facie. They probably also knew there's some blend of therapeutic progression to pathologic progression. You're going to get exactly this blend. They probably also know it's $4.4 million to win an event. The company statisticians, if they didn't know that, they should be fired because they're incompetent, and if they did know that and did the trial anyway, they should be fired because they're unethical because they're running a bullshit seeding study. This is a bullshit seeding study. Why is this in jam oncology without that? I mean, unless it's accompanied by an editorial like bullshit seeding studies, why we need to stop? You know, why is it even in jam oncology? This is the dumbest study. They knew at the outset it was gonna bankrupt society. The only thing I learned in this study is the moment you take the Enza off, the PSA booms, and uh, that's going to be very difficult for them going forward. I would encourage Pfizer to get your ill-gotten gain some other way. You know, um, geometric mean antibody titers is working well for you. you. You don't need to go after the active surveillance population. This is a group of men that should have been left alone a long time ago. They should still be left alone. I, you know... I would never ever give this trial. That's it. I would never ever, um, even run trials in this space. I mean, I guess the takeaway point is obviously this is stupid. Obviously nobody should be on a horrifically expensive anti-cancer medicine, hundreds of people taking a horrifically expensive anti-cancer medicine. So a few people someday years down the road don't need some other treatment. That's, a silly, silly proposition, but I think even the research it, along these lines is, is bad. It's bad research because you can look at the power calc, use your noggin a little bit, think about how much the drug costs, you'll instantly know that even if we win by our power calc, it will be so unpalatable for society to spend this that we can only bankrupt society. So, I don't know what to say. The medical writers, they did their best job to whitewash this study, but, I mean, terrible. Logically, doesn't make sense treating hundreds of people to avert a few events. Power calculation um, you know, uses some bullshit pathologic progression endpoint that nobody really cares about, and arguably you could probably still keep watching those people who hit that endpoint. Um, proof that you could keep still watching those people who hit that endpoint is that most of those people were still watched after hitting that endpoint because therapeutic progression is much less frequent. The difference in therapeutic progression is very, very modest. 3% over many years, leading you to a dollar to avert an event of $4 million in change, which is horrific. And um, the final point I want to make is that they all knew this in advance there was no secrets here this is what they wanted to do they wanted to do a bullshit seating study they did a bullshit seeding study the irb should have halted it jam oncology shouldn't have published it the reviewer should have been critical of this this is not a proof of concept unless you're going to try a pill that's about you know one cent a day um you should not do this um and even then, arguably, it has to be one cent a day and have a side effect profile as, as favorable as Skittles, and maybe that then you could consider doing it. But those are my thoughts. The enact study, terrible. Just a terrible study. I mean, what else? What do you think? I mean, can anyone... <laughs> I always see people say, you know, you're a little too harsh on the study. It's really hard to do study. I mean, come on! Come on! What do you... How are you, anyone can anyone defend this? How can anyone... <laughs> I don't even get it. How can anyone defend it? It's terrible. And look you know, why am I harsh on these people? Because there's two oaths you take in your life. You take the oath to, uh, you know, I'm sure you sign all these NDAs and you sign this thing when you do the trial for Pfizer. But there's an oath you take before, which is the oath of being a doctor, which is that presumably you're going to act in the patient's best interest. This is not acting in anyone's best interest, not patient, not society, not the payers. Um, And if we had more, if we had 100 trials like this, uh, you know, we might as well um, just end civilization. You know, they say Rome fell when 50% of the days were holidays. um, And the U.S. might fall when 50% of GDP is healthcare spending. With trials like this, you're going to get there, we're going to get there a lot faster. So follow Plenary Session on Twitter. If you like this podcast, you can support us on Patreon. You can follow the YouTube channel. Got a lot of videos to teach you critical appraisal. That's my goal, working on some other stuff that you're going to like. Read the book Malignant if you haven't read it yet. And uh, until next time.